Welcome to the Fansmanship.com podcast, coming to you from San Luis Obispo, California. Where you stand? Welcome to this going on break edition of the fansmanship.com podcast. I'm Owen Maine. Today's podcast guest is mental coach for athletes, Jeff Trosh. Jeff works with a lot of athletes at Cal Poly, and I've been wanting to talk to him for probably a few years. And it's kind of funny, I actually interviewed him a few weeks ago, and we talked a lot about what he's working on with athletes in terms of resiliency during this coronavirus pandemic and how um, how he's going about things. We also talked about how he became a mental game coach and what that looks like. Uh, and he has a really fascinating story and he's worked with a lot of really interesting teams and both in, you know, collegiately, but also professionally is how he got started. So really a, a conversation I, I thoroughly enjoyed when it happened. Like I said, we talked a lot about resiliency and one of the reasons it's taken me a few weeks to post this is because the next day, uh, you know, family wise, you know, we, we, we were challenged here um, in my family. My, my wife lost her job and um, we're not the only ones and, and we're going to be fine, hopefully, and everything's good. But um, but it's taken me a few weeks to kind of get out from under um, everything that goes along with uh, something like that when it happens. Um, if you want to support the photography, the, the work that we do here at fansmanship.com, um, the podcast, anything else. Um, I am doing Portraits in Place right now. That is a program where I'm going to people's front yards or meeting people at a you know open air space, like at a park or a hiking trail, and doing portraits. And we we know that uh, you know sports didn't happen this uh, spring, but it doesn't mean that you can't get portraits taken, whether they're graduation pictures in your cap and gown, whether they're um, pictures that are early senior pictures or late senior pictures or, um, you know, family photos. If you want to do a cool sports portrait, I'd love to, you know, work with you on that. So you can go to fansmanship or excuse me, photos.fansmanship.com and check out the link for that there. In the meantime, uh, I hope you enjoy this interview with Jeff as much as I did. Uh, apologize to, you know, anybody who I've told about it, who I haven't posted it for yet. Um, but here we are, Jeff Trosh here on the Going On Break edition of the Fansmanship.com podcast. I don't have Chris here, but what we've been doing is just kind of trying to talk to people. I called it kind of the Going On Break edition. Okay. Because <laughs> yeah. nobody really knows what they're doing or, you know, except that we're all kind of on a break here and just kind of trying to talk through what, what this means, what people are actually doing to, to cope with it and kind of how things are, how things are going. And excuse me, I've been wanting to have you on the podcast for a while in terms of just what you do in general. So, um, so for people who don't know Jeff and I'm, it's, is it Trosh? Trosh, yes. Trosh, yeah, I got it right. Good deal. Yeah. <laughs> so, for people who don't know what you do, Jeff Trosh, can you uh, can you tell them what 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 you do in terms of working with schools? 
Yeah, certainly. So um, I'm in my 33rd year of providing uh, mental training services for uh, athletic departments, athletic programs, uh, individual athletes. Um, I'm an independent contractor um, and work at several different universities and professional sports organizations. Um, most uh, importantly to, to those uh, affiliated with your podcast, I would assume, is my relationship with Cal Poly. Um, it's my 15th year being contracted by them. Um, and essentially, uh, I provide services for um, all the athletic programs um, to deal with team building or individual athletes' confidence or communication or anxiety management or um, focus issues or whatever it might be. Essentially, I, I help um, organizations peak perform. Uh, so yeah. How did so? What? Version. Yeah. Awesome. That's that's a that's a great uh, that's that's a great short description. How how did you get into that? What is what was your kind of training? You said you're in your thirty third year now. Yeah. Doing it, but what what? How, how did you get into it? seems like a relatively specialized. <laughs> it is. How, how yeah, it is. It? Yeah. So it's, it's I guess maybe an interesting path to some. Um, so um, after my undergraduate. Um, experience. Um, I actually was hired by the Seattle Supersonics um, NBA franchise as director of public relations and media relations right out of undergrad school. So I spent four years in the NBA um, doing a completely different job. And at that time, which was many, many years ago, um, I found myself in situations where I had athletes, those athletes, when we were traveling, I was, you know, with them home and away. Um, I had them utilizing me as a source, like a confidant and as a source of uh, you know, anxiety reduction, just to have somebody to bounce things off of. And one thing led to another, and I was sort of inspired um, to go into, back to graduate school, got advanced degrees in counseling, psych, and education, um, sort of hedging my bet that I wasn't sure if there was going to be enough business for me to be able to actually work with athletes my whole life. But um, I felt like I could do things um, in, in the in the quote-unquote normal world and see if I could evolve this business in the sports world at the time. When I left graduate school, it was 1987, I believe, 1986, 87. Um, there were maybe 50 people in the United States doing sports psychology and mental training. Uh, they're just, it was just a very, very uh, young, fresh uh, um, um, profession. And so one of the things that was interesting on the, like both ends of the spectrum, on the one hand, some people thought it was absolute guru craziness. Um, why would anybody talk about mental training? That's a, you know, and, and there was a big stigma around it. The other end of the spectrum at the other extreme was that there was this amazing pent up demand uh, for this kind of training for people who actually saw the value and benefit of it. And, and so at a very young age and with not a lot of experience, I, I found myself being in front of some of the best athletes and organizations in the world. I, I was a part of the NBA's um, uh, team, a psychological team for the rookie transition program. I was hired by the Seattle Mariners in the mid nineties and, and did, did work with their major league and AAA affiliated clubs. I was working with uh, tennis players and golfers who um, rose to, you know, number one in the world and men's and women's side. So all of a sudden, um, through word of mouth and the, the fact that the athletes with whom I was working were, were getting better. Um, it was, it was an interesting road to, to yeah. um, segue to where I am now. Awesome. And, and so we're talking like the, what the Dale Ellis, Nate McMillan Sonics. I, I mean, were... I'm, I'm even older than that. Yeah. This is, okay. this is, this is way back even prior to them. This was, uh, I, I was, I went in as an intern the year after they won the championship, um, the 79 championship. And it was, 
Jack Sigma, oh, okay. Gus Williams, uh, Lonnie Shelton, Tom Chambers. Uh, it was that young group. Tom Chambers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. Because <laughs> I, because I, I grew up. I, I, I was born in '81, so you can picture that I grew up with Tom Chambers on the Suns, kind of back end Tom Chambers. Yeah, that's but, that's uh, that's that was Tommy. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Awesome. V- very cool. Very cool. And so, so you you started doing media relations in a time. I, I want to talk to you about that for a second because yeah, okay, sure. you know if you're talking about 1980s or early right, 80s, early you're 80s. About a really huge transitional time for the NBA. Yeah, <laughs> you're talking about yeah. a really interesting time in terms of the popularity of the sport and the the um, I guess you know the Magic Bird movement yes. if you want to think yeah. of it that way in terms of how things changed um yeah, yeah for, how, for an, how, it, it, how long how long were you there for as like a media relations person and and i would imagine the demand and the job itself probably changed tenfold just in whatever short time you were doing yeah, it because there was a I, lot that was changing during that yeah time. actually actually um the, at the time i was there i got out just before the explosion came of popularity i mean there, there was certainly popular it was just starting to trend that way in terms of the job that I did, it was it was pre-internet um, and pre you know and, and so a lot of it was yeah. doing you know telecopiers and the box scores were all done by hand and all that and so as it related to the the work that I did was uh, there was a lot of work that was just grunt work uh, you know photocopying things and whatever and getting them out to the media um, but what what happened you know immediately upon my leaving the nba for the first time in that in that capacity before i right. came back um, doing the mental training stuff was okay. there there was this explosion of popularity and and so it wasn't really as much of the media side that that i was that was transformational in the four and a half years that i was there but it was actually more of the public relations side where people were starting to pay attention and all of a sudden the phones are ringing and people are interested and you know whereas at first there's not that much although in seattle because it was the only professional sports franchise at that time this is pre seahawks and pre mariners right so right um right. so but it, yeah it was it was it was uh, an amazing experience for a young i mean i was 21 years old when i started the, the job as a pr director and you know, I, I have never been one who's been overly enamored or like awestruck by, by anyone, but I, I have had some amazing experiences in the locker rooms with the championship Lakers and Michael Jordan as a rookie. And I mean, there are all these, you know, I, I had, a, I had a lot of experiences that are pretty interesting for the casual sports fan. Man. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people, people might, might not know that in terms of, uh, in terms of use. That's, that's cool. So you got into mental training. You, you're talking about how there weren't that many people who do what you do. Did you go to a special program just for that, or or did you go to a you know like a, a psychology program or whatever uh, you know what, whatever your master's was in or yeah. your your graduate school with that in mind? Hey, I'm going to do this, but then I'm going to kind of mold it to what I'm doing. Yeah, the the, sec- the, the latter is what happened. There, there <clears throat> actually, to my recollection, there may have been two or three um, graduate programs in sports psychology. Now there are hundreds. Um, right. At the time, um, I believe University of Illinois had one, San Jose State had one, and there may have been a third one somewhere else that I'm, I'm probably misremembering. But um, no, I went to Washington State University for my graduate degree. And one of the things that attracted me there uh, to there was there were two women who were among the pioneers in sports psychology who taught in, the, in what was then the phys ed department and so I took courses in sports psychology from them. And WSU at the time was had, had the foresight that they actually hired a, a 
person that on campus was the director of counseling services for the athletes. And nowadays that's, you know, a relatively prevalent position. But at the time there were not many universities who were committing resources to that. So I had somebody that could mentor me. Um, I, I had these two women who um, were teaching courses and I, I just got my degrees in counseling, psych and education, but, but used uh, my, my plug-in with these other folks to, to start getting some practical work and, and jumpstart my career. So obviously like the mentality of athletes has changed over time, but how has your job changed in terms of what people expect out of you? What, what the actual like role is? Has it morphed and have you, have, have you maybe, I'm sure it's changed over time. Has it changed because you, you wanted to head it in this direction or, or is it more of a something that changes kind of as a result of what, what the, what, 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 what the athletes are, are, are thinking, doing the level that they're on in terms of thinking. That's actually a really interesting question. Um, and I get interviewed a lot when I've never been asked. Um, so yeah, I, I think the answer is it's a multi-layered uh, answer. Um, first of all, a lot of things change in 33 years, um, no matter what we're talking about. Right. But yeah, right. So, yeah. so it's just the, the innovation of t the technolo technological innovation, like we wouldn't be doing video sessions like you and I are now. Um, yeah. uh, so, or, or cell phone or, you know, so back in the day, um, it was really face to face and, you know, occasional phone calls. Now, a lot of the work that I do is virtual. Um, and, yeah. and I have uh, clients, athletes that I work with virtually all around the world. Um, and so that's a, that's a big change. Secondly, you know, just the, the actual process of, of mental training is, is in many circles so much more accepted now than it was. So the athletes show up with an intention around um, building skills through a process um, to help them become stronger uh, in, in those areas. Um, historically, um, the vast majority of work was done uh, from a more of a uh, of a uh, of a morbidity model, or, or I, I can't remember the, the words eluding me right now. But but yeah. right, I see myself as a wellness doctor now, and in the past, I was I was an emergency room doctor. So you were a fix it guy. I was a fix it guy, and you know, so the Mariners, as an example, took a flyer on me. I was the second or third guy that ever was in the Major League Baseball. The, the Indians had a guy. The White Sox had a guy. Pretty sure I was the third guy in Major League Baseball to do what I do, hmm. um, and and uh, there, there was a person with the Mariners that preceded me, but he actually reached out. I he gave me his job, and and uh, and off I went. But the point in all of it is, is that the Mariners' utilization of me, God love them, that their intention was good, but it was largely, you know, okay, this guy's having problems with his wife at home. This guy's got an alcohol issue. This guy's got a whatever, and so it was a lot of pointing out the guys who are having problems rather than nowadays. There's still some of that, don't get me wrong, but a lot of what I do now is wellness stuff. A lot of it is, is a skill building and, and the whole notion of you don't have to be sick to get better. And most athletes now see it as something that's additive to their skill set. Kind of a more proactive approach, I would imagine nowadays than a, exactly. <clears throat> just being like, a, I mean, being essentially a counselor, an embedded counselor and you know, before maybe. Um, exactly and guys right. probably see their, own, see their own counselors for their issues on on their own time now that's yeah. probably more or, you know athletes athletes can can do those things you know on their own now um yep. and yep. it's less it's less looked down upon whereas maybe a, a mariners player in 1980 what 85 or whatever yeah. might, that might have yeah. been a tough deal right yeah exactly right exactly cool um so what where were you like so march i think march 11th was a day that kind of <laughs> is in infamy the the 
Cal Poly women's hoops team had just played down in Long Beach and they were doing pretty well in the Big West tournament. They looked really good. And um, it's a question that we've been asking everybody, kind of where were you on March 11th? And, and for you, what were the first things that went through your head when you heard news about like Rudy Gobert getting uh, COVID and um, implications and, and how did you process it personally? Well, uh, you, you don't know me very well, but, um, and this may be uh, um, an odd thing for somebody who does what I do for a living to say, but I have a, ten I have a tendency, and it's, it's what I teach too, I have a tendency to look at sort of worst case scenario of things and then work backwards from there. So my, my, my scenario typically is, and it was in this situation, like, uh-oh, as soon as I heard the NBA was shut down, um, my first thought was we are in major trouble, just as it relates to the sports world. I mean, I, yep. the ramifications outside of sport, I, I wasn't frankly first thinking about it. It's sort of selfishly just about the, yep. my own little, little world. Same. Same. Yeah. 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 So I was at, I was actually at a golf tournament. Um, uh, I work with, as I mentioned earlier, I'm an independent contractor. So I have, I have at least one uh, program at eight different universities. And so I was at a, I was at a women's golf tournament in Northern California, uh, splitting my time between two programs and, we, we finished the final round and then got the word that the solid hit the fan. And basically um, we were talking about, Oh, next week and whatever. And I heard all this and I, and I said to the coach, I don't know, I don't think there's going to be a next week. Um, and she's like, what do you mean? And I said, well, if the NBA is going, that means collegiate athletes are going to be going. And I said, I don't know where this is going to spin out to, but I said, I don't think this is going to, this is going to stop anytime soon. So um I, I honestly felt like for me personally, I think we all go to our own little, you know, in our own little cocoon, like, what does this mean for me? And et cetera. And my first, you know, chicken little approach to yeah. it was, oh no, my work's going to go away. I'm not going to have any business, whatever. And that, and that, that isn't to say that that still couldn't be true. Um, but right. um, I have been at, in an avalanche of, of Zoom calls and phone calls since March 11th with individual athletes, teams, coaches, administrators, it's been insane the amount of reach out there has been for people to access my services um, going through this uh, uniquely challenging time. Yeah, I was going to say you're, you're probably poised to be, be helpful in, in, in a lot of ways right now. So in terms of programs that you work with, you talked about you work with a lot of different programs in a lot of different places and, um, and you've worked with athletes presumably through stoppages before things like the I don't know, like that. I, I picture. I I was thinking back to the NBA in their late '90s when they had their stoppage, and that stoppage. You know, there were guys probably who took advantage of that stoppage to right. improve. There were probably guys who. There were definitely guys whose careers, you know, ostensibly ended um, right. because of because of it. And um, so, you know, in thinking about that, and and that's kind of the premise for this version of the podcast, and. I wish Chris were here, um, Sylvester, who's the, the voice of Cal Poly. You know, we're, yeah. we're both looking at each other and texting each other like, well, I guess our schedule just opened up quite a lot. Yeah, amen to <laughs> and, that. Um, and so I said, let's, you know, let's take advantage of it and let's talk to some of these people who might not be doing as much right now. And right. so, you know, we've had some broadcasters and some play-by-play -play people and so forth, um, uh, some coaches, some athletes. We talked to one kid who's collegiate season Quentin Adler she went to mission prep and played at USC in his graduate year never never made the NCAA tournament was you know getting ready to play in the Pac-10 Pac-12 tournament and was you know poised to play in his first <laughs> NCAA tournament this year and and right. um 
and it's you know kind of just all pulled out from under from under you of course it's the it's the least of the the worries but but what types of things are you working with with players right now what, what kind of things are you working on with players right now what are the kinds of like what what's the focus is it more like getting through day to day is it like the wellness stuff that you're talking about how can you come out come out of this whole thing better i mean you know we're trying to take advantage of this in terms of talking to different people on our end and and trying to figure out how i can be better as a photographer when i come back how can i be more organized trying to take advantage of the time what 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 are you talking to people about more is it is it is it fixing things is it is it helping people through anxiety is it um is it big picture like trying to come up with ways to get better yeah uh, the answer is yes uh, it's, 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 it's literally all the above that you just articulated because I'm in front of, you know, over the last few weeks, whatever it is, been four or five weeks or however long it's been. Um, I've literally been in front of hundreds of athletes and it's across the spectrum. It's been a really, as I think we're all saying about so many different things, it's an interesting time. Um, yeah. I have, been, I have actually been, I've actually been and I don't get surprised much in this, in this profession anymore because I've seen a lot over my years. And I'm actually, I've been slightly surprised at how well uh, athletes have been managing this from, a, from, a, from an emotional perspective. I actually, I actually assumed that I would see a lot more you know, pathology uh, emerge or people that are really struggling. And, and it's not to say that there are, there are some people who are really struggling, but for the most part, you know, there was the there was the initial shock of the whole thing and the kind of the disbelief and whatever. Um, I feel as though the fact that it is a worldwide thing and not just a oh our, our school got hosed because of some wh whatever or you know our coach did something or wh whatever that you know the the fact that it's it is almost universally applied. I think that has made it a little easier uh, and I put easier in quotes. But I, I, it, it's across the spectrum, you know, for some of them, it is a little bit of day to day, you know, frankly, for it's sad, but for some uh, of our collegiate athletes going home is not a healthy place for them, and, and not a comfortable, not only is it not comfortable for many, but it's certainly it's not healthy for some. And so they, they find themselves in situations where they're very challenged mentally, emotionally by being in a home situation that may be not very stable or very, um, it's certainly not a sanctuary for some. Um, and, and so, and there's, so there's that piece. Um, there's, there's the piece of real challenge for a, a lot of athletes who um, are so used to structure. Um, their lives are very structured. For those who either really love structure, that gives them a sense of peace. For those who are a little loosey-goosey, they know that structure helps them be productive. And so to all of a sudden have the calendar thrown open, as you were just speaking about with, with you and Sylvester, that's like, it, you know, it's like, oh, no, now oh, I can get up when I want and I don't have to race off to the whatever, which, you know, at, it feels great for a day or two. But in terms of productivity and moving forward and getting better, it, it, it challenges a lot of people. So there's been a lot of that where, you know, putting yeah. together some structured plans of, of actionable items within the scope of our, our constraints, uh, constraints and helping people build skills that'll, that'll help them employ those when they come back uh, to, their, right. to their sport. Um, so there's been, there's been a lot of proactive work around some of those big picture things and also some kind of cleaning up day-to-day -day things for those who are challenged. Right. So, so you mentioned like constraints and I would imagine, you know, as a, if, if, if I'm a college head coach and my kids aren't there, then my, my, my athletes aren't there, I want to be able to 
hey, here's here's a plan for you or something, right? And I'd imagine there's constraints on what they're, I don't, I don't know the rules, but I would imagine there's constraints on <clears throat> even how much they're able to structure those kids' workouts or give them a yep. piece of paper with, <laughs> with like, hey, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, here's yep. the things you can do in terms of your running activities or your lifting activities or, or whatever you're doing. Um, I would imagine there's, there's some kind of a constraint set there, although you're kind of more building life skills than, yep. you know, as, as much as you are building athletic specific things, I would imagine too. Right. right. Well, the compliance departments around the NC2A are, I mean, God love those people. They're just like drinking from a fire hose right now because the NC2A is making it up as they go, which frankly, it feels oh like they do that a lot. But in this situation, <laughs> it, it actually, it actually has merit and, and, uh, so yeah, it, it's it's all over the place. You know, strength and conditioning—they're al actually allowed to give uh, workouts, uh, but but they're not allowed to observe them. So a coach, the coach can't watch it on video or have any reporting back to them whether they did it or not. And you're only allowed to X number of hours of contact with the athlete, whether it be Zoom or phone call or whatever. And you know, life skills like myself is different than whatever. And so it's, it's a little all over the map. So I just, wow. you know, I just listened to the, to the compliance person and, and I can tell you at eight different universities, quite frankly, there's eight different variations on the theme of like what wow. can be and what can't be yeah. done. I mean, it, it, it's, there are little subtleties that some schools are saying, Oh no, no, you can't do that. And others are saying, Oh, absolutely. You know, which is Why not? Nearly, yeah, right, yeah. nearly always the case, but yeah, the, 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 huh. the, the getting better part is really left to the, to the devices of the, of the student athlete at this point, which quite honestly, I, I mean, I'm a huge advocate of, of athletes taking personal responsibility for their own development um, and, and being accountable to doing the things necessary to get better um, quite frankly, you know, some of them earn that and, and are trustworthy vis-a-vis uh, -vis that and others are probably mailing it in and hoping, you know, they can flip a switch whenever it's go time. Um, I think, you know, most sports will uh, expose that pretty quickly if they haven't done some work. And some, just frankly, are in situations where, I mean, I've got one kid at a different university who has been literally in an apartment for 42 days. She's in, she's in, in the city center of Milan, and they are not, they're not allowed to go outside. So they're allowed one family member can go out one time a day, and they have to bring us a, a little certificate. So she hasn't, she's done nothing but do burpees in her living room and whatever she can do, but not much. So, you know, those yeah. athletes are going to come back and struggle um, from a physical perspective, but for others, they have the luxury of being able to go out on runs or do whatever. So it, it's going to be a little all over the map. So you've probably got to do a little bit of planning. You're talking about how, you know, student athletes right now have, have adjusted decently, but my picture is that if this thing stretches into the summer and if next, I think right now everybody can kind of tell them, oh, we'll be okay maybe by next school year still, um, as July, August, September rolls around, if that's not the case, I would imagine you're you got to prep for a whole other set of um, disappointments. Um, I you know I talk to football players even who are like, hey man, if this doesn't happen in the summer, like oh what's you know what's this going to look like? And whether that's high school, you know whatever whatever level, these people are like this right. is the rhythm that they live their lives by, and and you know whether it's just losing interest in the game itself, whether it's um, whether it's you know, getting themselves and keeping themselves ready to play football. What does even ready to play football mean when you're gone for a year? And, you know, if you're gone right. for more than however long, right. um, you know, what does that all look like? It's, it's just such an interesting, weird space we're in right now. Yeah. Well, what, one of my little, I've got a, I've got a million little coach phrases that I've, that I've put together over the years. And one of the ones that I use often and everywhere is 
and this is independent of this situation, but I think it, it's applicable here, is focus on what to do, not what it means. And I think a lot of us get really caught up in, well, oh, the governor said this, or the athletic director said that, or what does that mean? And the bottom line is, is that if I get distracted by what it means, I, I get away from what's actionable. And I find myself, I find myself getting caught up in that too. Like, you know, hmm. watch, watch a newscast for 30 minutes and what does this mean? And what are the implications of that? And what are the concepts? And so we go down these sure. rabbit, we go down these rabbit holes of thought that are non-productive. I mean, I think there's obviously there's benefit in planning and being informed and getting real right. data to help us make sure all of the informed decisions. But that, that, that's what to do, right? That's, that's actionable. But if it's just right. spin, spinning around in my head. So the football player example is what is what triggered this for me because it's, right. and this is literally what I'm dealing with all day long is people, Oh, you know, Fresno state says this. And then, you know, I heard that Fullerton's doing that. And then, I heard about this and about that. So does that, what does that mean for Cal Poly? It's like, wow. And I get it, but it's non-productive thought and it's right. just burning energy. So what can you do with the information that you have in front of you? And that's what I'm trying to help our student athletes get to. And all that being said, um, you know, there are going to be implications for whatever, whatever our reality is over the next few months. Sure. Are they going to, you know, yes, they might kick the fall sports uh, all the way into the spring. There's, there's a discussion about all fall sports being played in the spring. There's a discussion about, right. you know, no fans in the state. But again, all those things are irrelevant. It, it's, just a, it's just a mind game that's not productive because hmm. until they tell us what to do now, we, we can't do anything about the answers to those things, right? So right. that's- Right, yeah, no, it's that, absolutely. And it's so interesting from a, from a media producing perspective because you you want to analyze what it means what does this mean for this what does this mean for this and and from your you know from from the first thing you said that you did in terms of going to what's the worst case scenario what that's a what could this mean right but right. you know like okay let's get that out of the way what what could this mean this could mean that i mean i, I don't even want to say it out loud this could mean there's no sports next school year <laughs> like yeah like that's that's on the table right like everything's right. on the table right now but then but then kind of backing up and saying like what what okay great so so owen there's no games for you to take pictures of right now <laughs> there, there might not be for a while what does that mean about your you know what do you do about photography what, what do you do for your side hustle photography business like, like exactly yeah, what, 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 and what are you going to do about it well i'm yeah. going to offer you know um, um virtual or distance graduation pictures i'm going to still take you know i'm, I'm still going to take pictures of kids in their uniforms because guess what if they're high school, if they're a senior in high school, they're never going to get a chance to play football again. If they don't play football this upcoming season, that's going to be a really interesting and valuable picture for them. Hey, this is something that I still need to plan for. Blah blah blah. And the what do you do is is absolutely a um, a way better question. I I, I absolutely appreciate that. That's, that's yeah really yeah. There, there's a there's one of my favorite books of all time is a book called Resilience, written by a guy named Eric Greitens. And one of the things he talks about it's and it's very aligned with where I, where I live philosophically. And just to expand on this point is a lot of people who do what I do for a living and, you know, everybody has their own philosophy and I'm not judging, but a lot of people who do what I do for a living, they do a lot of like visualize success and see yourself, see yourself winning the championships and see the trophy over your head. And I, I don't have an issue with that, but, but what I also want people to do is imagine yourself in that kind of worst case scenario 
or in a, in a non-preferred scenario and, rec and imagine yourself coping with that in the ways that you're capable of coping with it. What are your strategies? How would you, if this scenario occurred, what, what would, if the fire starts, what's your fire extinguisher? Where is that? And, and me knowing that I'm going to manage myself well enough, because I would, I, my scenario is even more catastrophic than the one that you talked about one year. I see there's even a scenario where I think collegiate athletics gets wiped off the map because the conferences are disbanded. And if there's no football and there's no basketball this next year, there's no money. If that happens, right. the trickle down is going to be catastrophic. So for me, I think, okay, well, well, what do I do with that scenario? And just like you did, okay, so what are my side hustles? How do you, you know, what am I going to do? And I've already, I'm, I mean, I've gone through those scenarios in my own head. I don't want right. any of those to happen, but I feel well about my ability to, to manage those and employ those. And those are the same right. things I'm doing with the student athletes, helping them recognize the strengths that they have to cope and adapt to whatever their reality is. One of the things that um, Cal Poly, and I've been around kind of athletics there for maybe the past, I don't know, eight years or so. <clears throat> I think, you know, the, the first year I started covering things there was um, the like um, Amari Furman, David Hansen, senior year of basketball, the maybe a year, two years before the basketball team won the Big West tournament and the baseball team <clears throat> went, you know, hosted a regional, I think. And, you know, there was all that that was going on kind of all around the same time there. But one of the things that kind of turned me on to spending more time around collegiate athletics, especially at Cal Poly, and I know you work with a lot of different places, but was the kind of uh, ability to, <clears throat> and I, I, I described it at the time, and I still kind of do it as like maturity, <laughs> this like ability to kind of be above it, even though even though you might have just played a 40-minute basketball game where you lost by one on a, you know, shot that shouldn't have gone in or a, um, a game where you just got beat by 30 and you're still able to sit there and, and be able to look forward. I, I talk a lot. I tell people it's a, it's a story I probably need to write down, but um, the, the, the game before they started the Big West tournament that year, as a lot of people know, Cal Poly lost Santa Barbara by like 30. And it was a really bad game they looked really bad in the game they they got torched and they were going to play Santa Barbara again in less than a week and um, I remember asking Chris Eversley um, in the in the media room after the game you know so like you know what's your mentality right now you know you guys just got hammered and and um, I, I, I don't think I'll ever forget the kind of look he gave me it wasn't like he was mad it wasn't like he was frustrated even though I was as a Cal Poly alum, like, it was a frustrating day to see them get torched by Santa Barbara like they did. And I said, I said, you know, what is, what, what's your mindset right now? Or asking some kind of question like that. And he goes, you know, we got another game in, in four days or whatever. He said, you know, we got another game next week and, um, and we're going to give it every, and he like looked me in, he like looked me in the eye and he was very assured, sure of himself. And, um, the way he told me the story about how he was, you know, hey, they're going to have to rip this jersey off my back. I still got more games to play. Uh, all we can do is give it everything we have. We're going to try to figure something out. You know, it was very, it wasn't like he was grasping. He wasn't trying to convince himself. He was very sure of what he was going to do. And um, for that reason, I'm, you know, I tell people like, you know, leadership wise, I mean, Cal Poly's had a lot of athletes come through, but like leadership wise, to me, that's like the pinnacle of what I've seen in terms of a player being able to flip the, I don't know, flip the switches, but like to, yeah. to, to process a loss like that and to yeah. be able to then boost that into 
whatever it was, four straight wins then, um, then in, in four of the most important games of the, of the uh, really Cal Poly basketball history. Um, what, what kinds of things, is, are, are those things that you talk to players about? Is that kind of like the, what, Absolutely. what, what kinds of things do you work with players on? And, 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 and as you work with teams over the course of the year, is it individuals? Is it as teams? I'm sure it's all of it. It's a little all of the above. Yeah, the, the coach, to, to work backwards from your questions, the, the coaches yeah. are the gatekeepers of my time and their programs. And so for some, I work a lot with the coaching staffs and essentially help the coaches be most more effective coaches. So a train the trainer model. For, mm-hmm. for others, it's the coach plus the team. For others, it's coach plus individuals or something along. It really just depends. Uh, and, and yeah, what you just spoke about in that interview situation are among the things that we're talking about. I, I, and in my brain, I put things in little category. So when, when you were telling the story, the first word that popped in is, is perspective. So he, he had perspective about what that loss meant, right? And so I'm thinking perspective, I'm thinking resilience, I'm thinking attitude. So yeah, th- those are among the many things that we're talking about. And, and, phrases and in slogans and do that we do those things too um but what it really is or what are the actionable items what are the what can you actually do um whether in terms of being in terms of what we're giving attention and power to those are all things that we're we're really fleshing out and helping um helping the athletes appreciate how to build skills in those in those different areas lost your your oh yeah there you go um sorry we i i, I muted because i couldn't hear you and i was hoping that um but i but i but i think i got most of what you just said um as somebody who was like 30 or 32 or whatever i was at the time i was thinking to myself man this 22 year old has it wired like i can't go play a pickup game and and lose by three and 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 not be just off the wall you know, and, and I know yeah. these guys are competitive. I know these guys are more competitive than I am in terms of their day-to-day activities and everything else. Um, and, and yet he can sit there and just, and just say like, and just be sure that he's going to be fine. Like I remember, I was like almost, it was almost an affront to me on some level. I was like, you know, man, <laughs> whatever, whatever this, whatever these guys have, whatever these guys are drinking, whatever it is, man, I, I need some of that. Cause they're way more at the time I, I chalked it up and said, they're way more mature than I am about the whole thing. I'd be, I'd be off, you know, like I'd be <laughs> off the wall and I've seen it at that level. Right. Like um, I, I can picture when I first moved back to California, I can picture guys, you know, in, in different games kind of walking off the court, kind of untucking their, you know, you could tell they were like mentally just like, I don't want to care about this anymore right now. You know what I mean? And, and, and you could see them like physically checking out um, right. and, um, and, and I was, I was just very impressed with that when it happened. Do, do you see athletes as being more kind of farther along, uh, more actualized now than, than they have been? Or do you think that um, maybe they're just better at, at masking some of the stuff in terms of that now? Yeah, another, another really good question. I, 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 think, I think, frankly, it's, it's – And I'm speaking big picture generally, I, not – I'm not talking about like, you know, any school yeah. or any just generally athletes. Right, right, right. Work. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry to say what I'm going to say, but, but it's, it's just my experience uh, it's that in general, I see them as less self-actualized than, than previous. 
Um, I see, I see a, a lot more kids coming into collegiate athletics. If we're talking about, if we're talking about division one athletes right now sure. and just kind of carving that niche, um, I, I, I feel as though um, there are a lot of them who nowadays come in where they are, um, they don't have the perspective of, the, of that conversation that you had that they've, they've either lost their passion because it's been about project management from the time they were young parents or, or, you know, private coaches or whatever have kind of been driving the motivation bus and, and they don't, they're not necessarily as intrinsically motivated as I would like them to be for their own sake. And for the sake of the sport, we see a lot of athletes that come into Cal Poly as an example, um, just being very candid that we, and cause this is, but this is everywhere. We see a lot of athletes who see being a division one athlete as the finish line um, instead of the starting line, which is where the college coaches see them uh, because they're, they, they got this college scholarship or they got to, you know, the admission to the university. And so they're kind of done. Um, and, and, you know, the, the fact that there are so many um, parents and, and advisors and whatever that see themselves as experts in the game, um, you know, again, 30 years ago, there's no internet, there's no ESPN, there's none of that. And, and, right. you know, and essentially uh, nobody perceives him or herself as an expert. They feel like the coaches are the experts. So I think there's, you know, there's, there's a lot that's going on in this. And then, and then if you throw the real wild card in, which is probably the biggest factor I haven't even mentioned yet, which is the whole notion of social media and, you know, and all the things that are, are great about it and all the things I love about it. There's also such an addiction to it and, and it's, and it changes the, the, perspective for some of these student athletes and it changes the focal points changes the the emphasis on just being better as opposed to looking like I'm being better or or you know getting the likes necessary for you know but but it masks their reality so I think there's a there's a complicated mix of things that are going on societally even yeah. pre-covid um and, and you know parenting styles etc that I, I feel as though I think it's a little unfortunate that that the, there aren't as many self-starters and, and great perspectives as the one that you just mentioned. Um, yeah. but it's, it's, it's work in progress. Can I, can, yeah. And, and kind of bouncing off of that, you know, you talk about guys being worried or, or, or I think whatever athletes being worried about, um, kind of how they look doing it. And I always, I'm, I'm conscious of that as a photographer. I'm, I'm hyper conscious yeah, of that as a, <laughs> as a photographer and as somebody who, um, who also has been like a high school basketball coach. And, um, I think if I, if I, if I lived my life 10 times, probably, you know, seven of those, I stay in coaching, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think more, um, as somebody who, who tries to think in that direction, um, I, I probably think too much about like, okay, the game happened tonight. It's 10 o'clock. I've finished editing all my pictures or, you know, it's 1030. I'm getting ready to go to bed. Do I want to post an Instagram picture of this game? And if so, what picture or pictures am I going to post? And I honestly think about it in terms of, and I, and I think about it now way more than I used to, maybe because players have even athletes have even changed in the last five or 10 years in terms of this, I guess social media has gotten yep. more ubiquitous, but you know, like who, what am I, what picture am I going to post from this game? Well, I'm going to post the one I like the best, but if, you know, and I, and I, I guess I don't consciously think about this, but maybe subconsciously I do. Well, that, well, she, she didn't really have a good game though, even though I got a good picture of her. Like, do I really want to post a picture of her tonight? Like, or, or, or with him or whatever. Yeah, I guess it's the best picture. That's what I'm here for. 
whatever. But I like, like, it's a really interesting intersection in my brain of like, you know, what, what, and, and, and who's going to react to picture X, Y, or Z? Is that person going to like it? Like, and, and the fact that I'm even thinking about whether athlete X, Y, or Z is going to like that picture, you know, goes to what you said a second ago that, yeah, I mean, these guys, these, these athletes are, are thinking about that too, in terms of how they, how they look doing it sometimes. And it's, you know, again, you can't make blanket statements about anybody, but I just think it's a really interesting, like, um, social thing that's happening in, in collegiate sports right now. And I, um, I'm here for it, obviously. <laughs> I'm yeah. a part of it, I guess. I, right. I guess I'm a, I'm a big cog in that machine um, in a lot of cases. And I, and I enjoy being a cog in that machine. And I love it when, you know, athletes who I take pictures of like their pictures, <laughs> you know, like right. the pictures that I take of them. And I, you know, I, 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 that's, that's one of the main reasons I do it is so that people can have good pictures. But, um, but yeah, it's just, it's just such an interesting thing how, you know, if you hear Doc Rivers or somebody talk about, you know, when he was growing up, what was basketball like? I heard him, I heard an interview with him maybe a year ago or something. And he's like, yeah, man, we would just play. We were all the kids from, I don't know, where do you grow up? Chicago maybe or somewhere. And he said, you know, we're all just all the kids from this side of Chicago. And when we played that good kid from that other side, you know, I didn't know what he was like. And I didn't, I didn't really like him. I wasn't friends with him, but we, you know, we'd go play pickup and we'd play for hours and hours. And, you know, and I probably didn't need it. You know, he was talking about how skinny he was in college, I think, or in high school, because he, he would just play all day and he wouldn't, he wouldn't think about how, you know, he was eating or nutrition or anything like that. And, and, and I guess where I'm going is like, you know, the priorities on everything was just, you know, about that. So I don't know, I don't know what my point is, except that, um, that that it's interesting when you come to conscious awareness about things sometimes to yeah. uh to get well there. it's yeah. it, it, i mean for, for for me the the summation of what you're talking about is just that it's a lot more complicated now than it used to be there mm. are a lot there are a lot more ramifications mm. for a lot of things right so even mm. if even if the photographer posting an instagram it becomes a pebble in the pond that has a ripple effect within the team yeah, I don't wanna, in the community i don't want to start an issue for anybody either you right know, right like, oh, man, yeah you know so and so so-and-so got benched and now they're on the bench looking sullen and and this is an amazing picture of right. that kid you know with a with a towel over their head like it captured i captured the i captured the essence of that moment but am i going to post that picture well if i'm cal poly's photographer i'm likely not going to post that picture just yeah. even though i really like it and i think it's an awesome picture and i did what i should do as a photographer eh, might not be the best idea and and i do think about that stuff sometimes you know the ripple in the pond is exactly yeah. kind of you know it's that you know I'm there, right? I'm as small a part of whatever ecosystem, the ecosystem's there. I I think about it when I'm taking pictures in a baseball dugout or a softball dugout. I'm like, I have to be just like, I have to be just like straight faced. I have to be matching whatever the timbre is in the dugout. I have to be, you know, I'm not going to be the reason why somebody's distracted. That's for dang sure. You know, like those are all things that I, Again, like I'm, I'm hypersensitive to some of that stuff. Um, well, it's interesting you say that because that's what I was going to say is, is that, you know, if you as a photographer are having the, this uh, in your head occasionally, you know, and, and a sensitivity to it, right? right. And right. then we can only imagine an 18-year-old competitor who's on the pitching mound with the, the, pe- the pebble in the pond relative. There's scouts in the stands. There's 2,000 people yeah. up here you know, it's bases are loaded, whatever. And it's not, it's not, you know, as you're saying, the Doc Rivers example is similar to one I talk about all the time. Like I, I, I had no clue what was going on in the high schools around my town or, or no. any other, I mean, cause 
you know, I mean, there, there just wasn't that kind of news. And so I graduated high school in 99 and I didn't have a clue. Like, yeah. Uh, and I was, I you know, I, I had no clue. We had no, like literally we were in the dark. And so yeah. we were in this little bubble doing our thing and it was about us getting better and about us, you know, vibing with our team members, but the implications, ramifications, and, and the, how, how far this, this, this tangled web is woven for these young men and women when they come into, into collegiate athletics makes it extraordinarily challenging for them to be in the moment playing this game for the love of that moment because yeah. of the potential implications of, of some of the things we're talking about. Those are among the many items that we're talking about a lot. So, so I just have a couple more questions. I know we've been talking for a while. Um, does that tangled web then provide some support right now in a situation like this, in a time like this, like that tangled web of knowing what everybody else is doing kind of keeps somebody connected where like if COVID happens in 1982 or if COVID happens in 1999, even like you're at home, I guess you're calling people, but like, you don't really have a great picture of like, like I, I immediately like the week after everybody's at home, I'm on, like a weekly conference call with uh, like a zoom in the evening with you know photographers from all over the country because of the network i have there you know what i mean like right, like and i can right. and i can listen to them talking about their experiences and i'm sure athletes are able to do the same thing is is, is, it is. that tangled web that is sometimes tough on the you know on field stuff is that is that helping right now it, it can it's available to them as as a helpful entity yes um, it's, it's like anything, are you accessing it for reasons that are, that are healthy and using it in ways that are healthy and productive or, okay. you know, yeah. is it, is it, is it, is the web doing good or evil? Right. And, and, <laughs> and, and it's just a matter of how you use it and in what ways that you're using it. I would say in my experience thus far, the vast majority of student athletes with whom I'm working are using it for good and for connect yeah. connectivity and for normalizing their experiences and staying and staying in touch. Um, but, but I also know that for some, it becomes another exercise in, uh, you know, kind of spinning their social media or their, their perspective on things or their, or their, you know, their, um, th their face out into the world in ways that I think is, is creating some additional challenges. And, you know, for me, whenever this thing is done, whether it's in the fall or in the spring or, you know, three years from now, I, I, what I have no doubt about is, is that there are going to be some amazing things that flow out of this that are going to be uber valuable and and people are going to I, I think at least have the opportunity to have touched into some places um, with relationally or with themselves and in, in, in ways that I think could be very productive and the other side of that is I have no doubt that there's going to be a plethora of mental emotional challenges for people as they reintegrate and whatever the new reality looks like for for us I, I feel like there's it's going to be a little messy for a while until people find their find their rhythm and get back to homeostasis. So things will be a, an interesting uh, reentry whenever it happens. Great. So I'm, I'm, I guess I'll leave with this. You know, you've given us good tidbits like uh, you know what can you do versus what does it mean. I think that's amazing for for me to be thinking about um, personally. Um, for anybody out there, like you know, obviously athletes are who you work with, but you know, people are people. Um, so, so what, what other kinds of, um, things do you counsel people to be thinking about how to be, you know, how to be, pro I mean, everybody processes things differently, but, um, you know, is, is there, is there some kind of a, a thing that you do personally or that, or that you see a lot of people doing to be able to, I don't know, help themselves a little bit, even if it's just a little, a little push or a nudge in a direction of some kind of advice you can give somebody. Well, I, I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I think um, 
not that I'm going to be uh, any greater a guru than than probably sure. the, the the million places no, that people are accessing like these things. Like but no, guru, right? no, 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 no. I guess what I'm saying is is that I, I don't know that I have anything that that is a, a magic potion. But but what I what I would say is is that people allowing themselves to be present and be in today and figure out how do I manage today well. The more that I'm here today and less about the ghost of the past of how I wish things would have been five weeks ago, or I wish that hadn't happened or being, you know, the anxiety that comes from the future. Um, again, maybe overly redundant with the, you know, what it means versus what to do. But, but for me, whether it's daily meditation, whether it's daily journaling, whether it's some kind of connection with people either in your home or via, or via zoom or whatever, I just think some way to center ourselves and recognize that whatever is going on, it's temporary. It may be, you know, over soon or over later than we would think. And there is going to be pain involved. There is going to be pain and suffering at whatever level. Um, it's not going to, obviously this is no, nobody's enjoying any of this. Uh, and yet we are as people, you said, you know, we're, we're all people. And what, what resonated with me with that is, is that, you know, we, we are, we are king of the beasts because we have learned how to evolve and we've learned how to adapt recognize that the Darwinian thing was not really about the strongest survive. It's really about the, the animals that adapted best to difficult situations survived. And I feel like as long as we adapt well to whatever the new reality is, and every single day we're getting information about how to, you know, adapt to today. And as, as long as we, in my own mind, you know, obviously we want to have a long-term plan, but, but, but a short-term, but a short-term focus and I think the more that people are in that space, the more we'll ride this out fine and, and at some point get back to whatever our new reality is. Great, awesome, I love it. Um, one, of the, one of the things I hope is that, you know, in the next, I don't know, six to three to six to eight months that, that we'll be on our way back and, and maybe I'll be able to get you in uh, to talk about some of the kind of re-entry things. When I, when I used to travel for work a lot, uh, when I would come home from a week away or four days away, you know, my wife was used to being here by herself and I was used to being on the road, living in a hotel, in a airport, you know, whatever that meant, you know, whatever that meant for attitudes. And um, I always talked about, you know, like a 24 to 48 hour, like re-entry period. We're going to have a re-entry period whenever this thing happens, and yes, we will. Um, and I'd love to talk to you about that as it's happening uh, yeah. when whenever that happens. Hopefully sooner than later. Jeff Trosh, I really appreciate your time, man. I thank you so much for uh, for chatting, and um, I feel like I could talk for a lot longer, but I'm I'm going to uh, we're gonna we're we're gonna be respectful there and uh, and, and and kick it done now. Um, so thank you again. I appreciate your help and appreciate you your it. time. All right, yeah, that was take awesome. care. You Thanks, bet. Jeff. Yeah, we'll sure. see you again. Take care. Bye-bye. Right. Hey, thanks for listening to the Fansmanship Podcast. For more podcasts and more in-depth sports discussion, go to fansmanship.com. Well, I've been stuck on down in trouble town. It's a lonely place, it's true. Street life's so bright, they blind my vision. And the people on the streets, they beat me up till I'm black and blue.
Signs out on 